Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hey, it's great to talk to you. I appreciate you having me on. The coach rankings are uh, fun to talk about, to say the least. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. They are fun. <laughs> it's great topic of conversation, great fodder here. Before we get into them, how was this list uh, compiled and put together? Is it just subjective? Is there, are there any votes going into this? How does this happen? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, we've been doing this list, I think, for six or seven years now. And we always start by going by conference first. So we do the Power Five and the Group of Five. It's myself and two other guys. And we vote anonymously. And then one of us will tally up the results. Once we get the results, you know, we'll debate them. You know, each of us that vote kind of has a different criteria. I, I use kind of a two-part approach. I think you know, the first part is your accomplishments. What have you accomplished as a coach? Is it wins, losses, championships? And then also, where have you accomplished those? I think program hierarchy in college football is so important. It, it, it is much easier to win at LSU than it is at Kentucky. And I think the second part is, Knowing what we know about their accomplishments, uh, on our subjective take, who would you hire? You know, one through 14 in the SEC and one through 130 overall. So a little bit of both. Try to combine accomplishments and the subjective part. And, and certainly not easy because once you get into the, the 130, you know, I, I sometimes feel like 10 through 20, everyone's about the same. It's really close and, and kind of hard to decipher sometimes. So let's get into Ed Orgeron, Coach O at LSU. You have him at 51st out of the 130 coaches in uh, FBS that you ranked here. Um, give us, the, if you can, the good, bad, and the ugly here about Coach O and why he landed at 51. You know, I think when we discuss Coach O, I think some are still weighing heavily the Ole Miss 10-25 and 25 tenure. Um, but I would argue he's a different coach and a much better coach since that tenure, he went six and two as an interim coach at USC. And so far in two years at LSU, in terms of full time, you know, he's won at least nine games in both of those seasons. So I think kind of the, the difference of opinion that we have amongst our staff is, you know, LSU has certainly always had good talent. They've been able to build good defenses. The question for him to go um, from, you know, 10 and two to the playoff team is going to be getting that offense going. But I, I think, you know, kind of like I said, I think the, the Ole Miss part is weighing on him. But I also think on, in terms of from last year to this year, we do start from scratch. But I do feel like Ed Ordron took a pretty big jump in our rankings from uh, 2007, uh, 2018 to the 2019 version. I would say that he's trending in the right direction going into this year yeah I want to say I think we talked to you about this last year maybe even the year before where he was right around number 100 in this list so I guess relative to that make it a pretty big jump like you just said Steve yeah absolutely I mean I, I go back to last season you know we at Athlon Sports we flat out missed on LSU we, we had LSU I think either 25 26 in our top 25 but that was the, the case nationally you know LSU went into the season with pretty low expectations nationally with all the new faces and changes and, and, and all that. But LSU finished 10-3, and three, number six in, in, in the AP poll, played in a New Year's Six Bowl game. So I look at that as, you know, the trend line for LSU is going in the right direction. When you go from 
uh, nine and four to ten and three. I like the changes this off season to bring in Joe Brady uh, on the offensive staff. So I would say we've got him, you know, fifty one. But I also think if LSU goes ten and two, eleven and one this year, I think you'll see him move a lot closer to the top twenty five. So we're talking to Stephen Lasan of Athlon Sports about the top 130 coaches rankings we'll get to the actual college football rankings in just a little bit so the and i think the top of the sec and really the top of these rankings really hard to argue i mean saban's one just in the sec jimbo's two kirby smart three everybody probably organized those that way maybe flip jimbo and kirby some people would dan mullen four miles on five now here's where some people here locally probably have an issue will muschamp and mark stoops ahead of coach show and Look, I remember Mark Stoops, um, his uh, previous uh, uh, stops, even as a defensive coordinator, he was not too highly thought of. I think at Arizona, I was in the Pac-12, covered the Pac-12 at that time. And then at Kentucky, I think he has a sub-500 record. And, and Will Muschamp uh, can't seem to get things straight over there at South Carolina. So I guess specifically, can uh, why Muschamp and Stoops above Coach O? Yeah, great question. You know, I think on the Mark Stoops side of things, you know, we look at Kentucky – and see how difficult that job is. You know, just in, in terms of recruiting, you know, LSU has no trouble bringing in four and five star talent at, at, at every year. Um, at Kentucky, it's a lot different, and I think the expectation level is certainly different for both programs. But Kentucky has gotten better. Um, you know, the last couple of seasons, you know, they've made progress. Last season, getting to ten wins beating Florida, a winning record in SEC play. Um, last season was kind of the culmination of what Mark Stoops has been building. And, and I think you know that's the difference when you see a place like Kentucky. You have to build a program there. It's very difficult to reload on a consistent basis. You know, Will Muschamp, you know, I, I'm looking at this and, you know, I'm kind of wondering myself because I would probably vote for Ed Orgeron, so I might have lost that vote. <laughs> so I, I, you know, I, I think we, the way we looked at, you know, Orgeron's Ole Miss tenure probably weighed him down. Muschamp, you know, didn't have a great run at Florida. You know, I feel like South Carolina, um, you know, they've been going in the right direction, but maybe just not there yet. And they also have a very difficult schedule. So, you know, it's, it's honestly, it's hard for me to defend that one because I think I voted Orgeron um, over Muschamp. But in the national, uh, you know, Mark Stoops is 44 and Ed Orgeron's 51. So they're really close. Yeah, all kind of in that same group there. So maybe some people here might think, oh, Coach Joe, a little ranked a little too low. Well, you're pretty high on LSU this year, right about where the national polls have them. I think the USA Today poll last week had them at six. You you have LSU at number seven, certainly in that picture of the college football playoff, Stephen. We really do. You know, I like this LSU team. I think it starts on defense. Dave Aranda, I think, is one of the best defensive coordinators in college football. And you look at all three levels of LSU's defense, stacked with talent, stacked with speed and athleticism. Grant Delpit, I think you can make a case he's the best defensive player in college football. Sure, Greedy Williams is gone. You know, they're, they're going to miss Devin White. But this is LSU. They've got talent on defense. Uh, where I actually like this team is the offense. And, you know, we kind of joked in our preseason predictions meeting that you could take LSU's team preview from the 2019 and, and 18 and 17 editions of Athlon, and it would look pretty similar you know the LSU enters the season with a great defense but the question marks are on offense and I actually think this offense can turn the corner this year um Joe Burrow uh last season played his best at the end of the year 
so efficient with the ball. I think he continues to get better, especially with the supporting cast they have at receiver. You know, the big question for the offense, of course, is that offensive line. But I like the switch to get more tempo, uh, to you know, to speed up the tempo and to get more points on the board. LSU only lost three games last year, and two were by eight points or less. So this team isn't too far off uh, from you know being an 11-1 team in the mix to be in the top five at the end of the year. Now, top of your rankings, you have a little discrepancy with what most of the country probably thinks, maybe just because of the national title game and how lopsided that was. Most people have Clemson at one, Alabama two. That was the coaches' poll last week. You have them flip-flopped, Alabama one, Clemson two. What are uh, the reasons for that? You know, I think we believe that Alabama gets revenge this season. We think it's Alabama's revenge tour. Alabama's going to have to listen to Nick Saban all offseason, hammer the loss uh, to Clemson over and over and over again. And and he's talked about that, too. Um, You know, getting back to the process, for whatever reason, the coaching staff, the players at the end of the year, didn't seem like everyone was on the same page. They've got a chance to fix it this offseason. Tua and those receivers are back. I think one of Alabama's biggest question marks last year was the secondary. It should be better. So I think we're banking on Alabama getting back to that point and getting revenge. I think in the national title picture, you know, only one team since the start of the BCS era, which is Alabama, has been able to go back to back. So that Clemson is fighting history. They have a much easier path, but we think at the end of the year, Alabama's the better team and they get revenge over Clemson. How surprised would you and your colleagues at Athlon Sports be if it was not Clemson or Alabama winning another title? Remember, it's been four straight years. One of those programs has hoisted a national championship trophy. You know, I would be surprised. I think Alabama and Clemson are clearly the top two teams going into this season, and I think they're on their own tier. You know, I do think it is worth pointing out and considering Georgia because, you know, they've had Alabama on the ropes for two years in a row and couldn't land the knockout punch. Can they do it this year? They've been so close. Um, Most of that core is coming back this season. Kirby Smart continues to recruit at a high level. So Georgia is close, but I still think that Alabama and Clemson are the teams to beat and kind of in their own tier right now going into the season. He's Stephen Lasson of Athlon Sport at Athlon. Stephen, you've got to find all this really great work right now at athlonsports.com. Stephen, always appreciate the conversations, man. Let's do it again. Thanks so much. Hey, anytime. Thanks for having me on. It was great to catch up. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like I said, and there he goes, great work. You got to, even if you disagree, these are made for you to disagree. Nobody's going to agree on all 130 rankings. Come on. But I do want to know from LSU fans that are listening right now, when you hear Athlon Sports ranks Cocho as the 51st best coach in the country. What do you think? Right on? Too high? Too low? Insulting? Get your blood boiling a little bit? You tell me. 504-260-1870. That's 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. The last lap continues on WWL. Welcome back to the show. I know a lot of LSU fans today, well, they saw this from Athlon Sports. Cocho, number 51 Best coach, 51st best coach in college football. You're going, what, huh? Come on. Go Tigers. <laughs> Let's go to Rocky and Ken Rocky. What do you think about this? Well, I think it's all uh, – You can. he's a tough one to rate because I think as, as, a, as a 
manager of the whole team, I think he can assemble some great assistant coaches. But I think if you put him to specifically take offense or defense, maybe he's not the strongest. I think the end result is terrific. But I think it depends on how you, you what you consider to be a good coach. Yeah, I just right, and and I guess this is this is why I say Rocky, right? It's all subjective. This is why I wasn't taking shots at Cowherd last week. I'm not taking shots at Athlon. I just disagree. But I guess you know, I guess if any of us rank all the coaches right, somebody's going to be upset because we'll have somebody way too low or way too high in their minds, huh? Yeah, and uh, you know, I think maybe they're looking at him as as whether or not he's a detail man. You know, he's not a Nick Saban with mm-hmm. the general. I think he, he he knows how to organize the team. He gets good recruiting, but um, you know I think he depends on really strong assistant coaches. How he gets there, I don't care. I think he's going to get us there, but um, he's just got a different style. And I think perhaps they're looking at his coaching detail ability, and that's not where he shines. It, it doesn't. And well, I, I shouldn't say it doesn't. I think that's probably a shot for me that would be unfair. But I do think that he is the, you know, kind of the, the ultimate CEO of a football team. And I've always said in college football, that's what make the great ones. The guys who run their program effectively that kind of sit on that throne and direct people in the right way. Hire good assistants. Make sure their recruiting is going well. Fundraising, interacting with the boosters, and now Coach O does all that well. But what he also does, great recruiter. I mean, he said it in this press conference last week. He's handling the recruiting coordinators, dude. It's because he's so darn good at it. I have said since he was hired. Number one, I thought that nah, I didn't know if this would work out. Admittedly, right, and I was wrong. Number two, I said if it did work, if it did work. This would be one of the great Louisiana sports stories ever. And if he wins a national title here, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but if he does, oh, that's something real special. And i got to be honest, I, I, I try to be as impartial as I can here. It's, it's kind of my thing. I don't have black and gold or, or purple and gold colored glasses on. You know, I don't root for any program other than, you know, it's kind of hard not to root for the Saints and LSU since they're part of our flagship. Uh, we're, they're part of our station anyway. We're the flagship for the Saints. But hard not to root for that, right? Even like, I don't know, even LSU haters, I've never seen anybody say, ah, I don't like Coach O. He's a very likable guy. Kind of want to root for him. Here's a text from the 504. By the way, I think number 51 for Coach O, way too low. Thanks to have a great night. Yeah, I think most people probably thinking it's way too low. Somebody from the 504 on the text line also pointing out the Patriots rings from that Super Bowl have 283 diamonds in them. And that goes back to uh, the Tom Brady extension that averages over the next three years $28.3 million. <laughs> Oh, Patriots. I guess we could chuckle about it here in New Orleans, right? Speaking of the Saints, remember, WWL thinks all of you Saints fans are VIPs, and we've got a real new experience, cool experience for you. The Saints VIP tailgate at Benson Tower before every single home game. You can listen to Sports Talk every weekday during training camp to win a pair of tickets to this, and here's what you get. Three hours before kickoff, before Saints home games, all you can eat and drink, 
premium open bar, a delicious buffet from Food Network celebrity chef Aaron May, and you get myself and Steve Court, former Saints offensive lineman, will be broadcasting live from Fans first take right here on WWL. So come party with us. Doesn't really get better than that. You can listen to Sports Talk with Bobby Deuce and Christian every weekday during training camp next couple of weeks to win those tickets when you hear Cam Jordan's cue to call in. It's the new Saints VIP tailgate at Benson Tower from our partners at bullseyeeventsgroup.com and Saints Radio WWL AM FM and .com and also radio.com. Quick notes, uh, game tickets are not included in this, but hey, even if you don't have game tickets, you're not going to get game tickets. It's a great way to party and then go watch the game or hang out at your favorite local watering hole, however you do that. Here's a text from the 504. Why do y'all don't say anything about Tulane? I'm not really sure what you're talking about. We just had Willie Fritz on the show during our last show, which was on Friday. Talked a lot about it, so maybe you're just listening to the wrong programming. I don't know. I get that a lot from Tulane fans, some kind of complex from there. Remember, I used to work for Tulane. I love the Green Wave. Remember, earlier tonight, we were following an incident in Baton Rouge near the La Salvadorino restaurant near West Chime Street and Geranium Street, where a Baton Rouge police officer was shot in the leg. Here was the latest from WWL's Dave Cohen. That's WWL. And that was WWL's Dave Cohen. Uh, one more update from the LSU Police Department. Police have determined that the incident at West Chime Street and Geranium Street is no longer a threat, and the scene has been cleared. You can find more at WWL.com. Yeah, certainly glad that that was relatively good news. I know, look, when anybody gets shot and injured, not good news, but relatively good news considering what we've seen across the country the last couple of days we'll have sean payton and marcus davenport sound from camp coming up in just a little bit but first let's go to brian in lakeview want to talk a little coach o with us brian what's going on tonight well um did uh, the uh, athlon i believe article articulate the criteria upon which they evaluated the coaches yes yeah they did Stephen lasano was just on with us said that he and i believe five other of his colleagues they had an anonymous vote on this and remember athlon has been doing this for years way but well like they've been doing this specific ranking i think they said for seven years but they've been covering college sports back to when they were just prints like for three four decades i believe so very uh outstanding publication in my mind but that was the criteria brian Oh, you say the criteria, they just, you didn't list any. I'm, I'm, maybe I don't understand. You said they, they were just shooting from the hip or what? Well, I mean, it, it's a vote by guys who cover college football for a living. I got you. I'm not, okay. I'm not trying to be flippant, but I mean, it's, you know, that would be like, yeah. as, you know, how do I do my power rankings? I think it's just a, a, a kind of an, a subjective, not an objective, but a subjective look at win-loss record, the program you're coaching, the improvement in the program, and that's kind of what Stephen told us, I right? Got you. Well, I guess uh, I would tell you that I think most people would say that Nick Saban is a, a top coach. But, yep. uh, and when he left LSU, I wished him no uh, ill. Uh, but I told everybody who would listen that I didn't think he'd be successful in the pros because he was a magnificent recruiter. But he um, was not, to my mind, a particularly um, competent uh, coach game day coach anyway mm, well look brian i appreciate it but you were right hey if you told people that he wasn't going to be successful in the pros you were you turned out to be right there no doubt about it his tenure at miami was was not good if there's any kind of blemish and a big one on his his resume and record it's that but he won't be remembered for that he'll be remembered for everything he did at alabama and before that 
at LSU. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the call tonight, Brian. Here's a text from the 504. LSU will be 11-1 and this year. If they're 11-1, and they're a playoff team. No matter who that loss is to, they are a playoff team this year if LSU gets to 11-1 and before the SEC championship game. Back to Saints camp we go. Marcus Davenport, the second-year defensive end. We expect very big things from him this year. He was up at the podium today. First time we've seen and heard him speak after practice. Here he is. That was Saints defensive end Marcus Davenport after practice today. Again, got to have more than those four and a half sacks this year if the Saints are going to be Super Bowl champs. I opened the show with it. I think he is the most critical piece outside of, yeah, I get it, Drew Brees. You could always say that. Outside of that, I think it's Marcus Davenport. What do you think? Most critical piece of the Saints team. Also, what do you think about that Coach O piece in Athlon Sports ranking him the 51st best coach in America? 504-260-1870. That's where you can call in. Love to chat with you. 504-260-1870. Text lines 870-870. When we come back, we'll have the second half of Sean Payton's press conference here on the last lap. Sean Payton in just a second, but first let's go to Pierre and Gentilly. What's going on tonight, Pierre? going on sad i just wanted to uh, let you know just send my prayers out to el paso and akron Amen. but um what i wanted to call about is uh marcus davenport um i was listening to the interview and that's the second time you know he, he spoke about the media oh, yeah like he has like an apprehensive uh attitude, which i don't understand because <laughs> he come from a small school yeah well uh, you know what brett martell brought up a good point earlier tonight that i, I completely agree with that Marcus Davenport is a very bright, introspective, and very genuine person. That's how Brett described him, and, and frankly, I agree with all of that. And a lot of times, and I'm almost the same way, I'm, I'm, I'm very introspective and sometimes a little too introspective. I care what people think, and I, I kind of get into my own thoughts and heads a lot of time. And I also am very genuine with what I say, sometimes to my own detriment. Take my words about Will Wade and LSU. Probably lost a few listeners because of that, but it's just genuinely how I feel about that situation. Now, Marcus Davenport genuinely feels this way about the media, that he they're setting him up for failure or maybe hyping him up to a point where it's impossible for him to live up to expectations. And you know what? Maybe he's right about that. Maybe he's right about that. That's kind of what I got about that, Pierre. And and I'm sure somebody will tell him, hey, don't don't speak about the media in these press conferences. You're only going to get yourself in trouble. I don't really hold it against him, though. Right. I understand that, Seth. But uh, I think he's going to be fine for this season, and uh, he's definitely going to get a double-digit sacks this season. Well, there you go, Pierre. And that's what he needs in my mind. And, and look, I will be that problem because I'm paid to be that problem, Marcus Davenport. I think that you, and I'll speak directly to you, Marcus Davenport, if you're not double-digit sacks or right there, 9, 10, 11 sacks, Saints aren't winning the Super Bowl. They don't have enough pass rush outside of Cam Jordan, especially with Sheldon Rankins not there for the first half of the season, for them to win enough games to put themselves in a position come playoff time, toast a game or two, and get back to the Super Bowl. So I do think it's critically important that he has uh, – those sacks 504-260-1870 our text line is 870-870 let's go to joey on line two joey what's going on hey seth thanks for taking my call man hey you bet um i've got i've got uh i've got two areas that you know i mean i'm feeling all right about but just not secure like i would be if if sheldon rankins and ingram were still around Mm -hmm. and that's the you know, when it comes to Ingram, you know, when um, 
he was in, uh, you know, for blocking duty, say, yeah. and then lay out for a pass in the flat. Um, he had played so many years behind the same line and with the same quarterback that he knew, you know, all the little nuances uh, and, and where, uh, you know, where weaknesses were in the line on a particular play and stuff where, you know, his block may be uh, necessary. Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. And you're and, you're concerned and, that and Murray's not gonna not gonna be that guy. Well, um, not not on on like a second nature type thing is what I'm talking about, Seth. You know where you really don't have to think; you just react. You know, and 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 Mark had done it for so many years at the at that position that it's just something that that he's going to have to, you know, time in the in the job, you know, in the position. I'm sure he can come around because. You know he's a big guy, but um, and good feet. But it's just you know the that little split second sure. you know re- reaction. Yeah, and no, and Joey, I think that Joey, I think that's a legitimate concern when you lose a guy like Mark Ingram, the pass protection of it. Now you're not going to ask Alvin Kamara. I was chatting with I think Deuce McAllister about this. <laughs> I said, Deuce, you worried about Alvin Kamara's pass protection? And he kind of looks at me going. You really think that Alvin Kamara is going to be staying in in pass protection? No, he's going to be running routes. He's right there. Latavius Murray, another situation. Sure, he can catch passes out in the flats and downfield, but when he's in there, a lot of times play action, he'll be asked to pass block a little bit, and Murray's been pretty good at that, maybe not to Mark Ingram's level. Over in Minnesota, it is nice to see Latavius Murray back on the field. Will they lose something without Mark Ingram? I think so. I don't think Latavius Murray is going to be as productive as Mark Ingram. But remember, they've added Jared Cook to the offense. Alvin Kamara is a year further into this league. I think he'll be as good or better than he was. Certainly, Michael Thomas should be better. I mean, receivers just get better this time in their careers, year four, five, and six. So maybe as a whole, the offense, and certainly when you talk about that offensive line, when those bookend tackles are, are just as good as any tackles in the National Football League, I think it all works together to say that this offense on paper is better than it was last year. Now, on paper, doesn't mean diddly squat. <laughs> doesn't mean diddly squat. But we'll see once that regular season gets started Monday night against the Houston Texans. Thanks for the call, Joey. Let's go to Tony in Kenner. You want to talk a little Marcus Davenport? Tony, what's up? Hey, what's up, uh, Seth? Look, man, I want to first comment on uh, Davenport. Uh, what, he played at the small college out of, uh, what, San Antonio, Texas? I yeah, yeah, UTSA, yep. Yeah, you know, and I think uh, I guess they got a diamond in the rough like they did with Marcus Colston at the receiver position years ago. But I know this guy plays defense. But uh, from what I saw last year, what did he get? Two, three sacks. I mean, Four and, and, a half. and him, yeah, and, and, and him, you know, speaking out to the media saying you guys are building me up. That just tells me that he doesn't have a lot of confidence on what he's going to do this year. And you know, yeah, he was a good college player, uh, but now maybe he's woken up and said, "Hey, man, I just can't do it in the NFL." And he, he doesn't have that inner strength. I don't think he's going to have a good year. And I also want to say one more thing, and I'll hang up and listen to you comment. I think the Saints organization made a big mistake getting rid of Mark Ingram. I mean, he was that big bat that could just pound up the middle. And this guy that we signed, Murray, in free agency, uh, he, he, he's a small guy, man. He doesn't have much meat on him. Uh, he, you know what? I mentioned that before, Tony. I was talking to people, uh, speaking about Latavius Murray. He's tall. What is he, 6'2", something like that? So he's tall, but he's not as stout as Mark Ingram was. I, I agree with you with Mark Ingram. I think the Saints are really going to miss Mark Ingram. Now, what you'd say about Mark is he was a little older, a lot of a lot of wear and tear on that body. 
but he was only making six and a half million dollars this year maybe about a million more from what I was told the Saints were offering him million and a half more and look that that might be that's that's nothing to sneeze about that's a lot of money but I think maybe the Saints, after everything got said and done and settled down, might have liked to have Mark Ingram instead of Latavius Murray. Now, Marcus Davenport, confidence. It's interesting you brought that up. You don't need to hear my reaction from this. Marcus Davenport today at camp was asked, hey, are, are you confident? Does confidence play a big role in your game on the defensive line? Here's how he answered. Yeah, so he says, I don't think so. I don't think so. But he did say, and this is where I agree with Marcus, preparation makes you confident. If you're prepared, not just in football, in any aspect of life, radio show, a cooking, serving, driving, whatever you do, construction, sales, if you're prepared the day you go into work, right? don't you just feel more confident about the job you're going to do? One more call, Jerry in Lakeview. What's going on? Hey, it's Gary Lake. You nice. Um, thanks for being hey, having me on. Yeah, um, I was just wondering if you agree with me or not. Did I see it correctly? When it comes to Mark Ingram, it, it seemed like it took a long time before he really reached his greatness, and it seemed like he was almost easily uh, tackled. He would come down easily, now, unless he had a big gaping hole to run through. Oh, Mark now, Ingram. I gotta disagree. I gotta. I gotta disagree. I gotta disagree with you there. He's the second all-time leading rusher in the Saints, and had he played every game last year, he'd be the all-time leading rusher for the Saints. I don't think he was easy to bring down, Jerry. Gary. Yeah, I was just saying in the beginning. I just remember a lot of plays. If he was out in the open, you know, he you could get him. You know, you could tackle him. Now, when he comes to bowl you over, yeah, he could do that. But if it wasn't, you know, a good running bowling play, he always seemed to go down easy to me. Yeah, but and I'm looking be wrong. Yeah, well, I just look. I, I'm just going to disagree with you. Is he elusive like Alvin Kamara's elusive? No. Or Le'Veon Bell's elusive? No. Or Marshawn Lynch was elusive? No. But that doesn't mean he was easy to bring down. I mean, you don't get to the second all-time leading rusher of any NFL franchise that's been around for, you know, half a century by being easy to bring down. And just to correct myself, his average salary was actually five million dollars. Uh, with Baltimore, guaranteed money, $6.5 million. It might have been the guaranteed money. That $6.5 million was what I was looking at that was the difference between Baltimore and here. I don't know. Like I said, I, th- I think the Saints would have liked to have him. One more break. We're back, plus a moment of zen, plus sports libs if we have it. Moment of zen from uh, Big Potato. The, the guy who went behind enemy lines at Falcons camp. I saw him out at Tulane. I had to get a couple of minutes with him. We'll play that coming back on the last lap. Uh, yeah, the potato song. We'll get to Big Potato in just a second. Thanks to Ron and Logan behind the glass. Our guests, Brett Martell, Tony Rentk, and Stephen Lasson. Thanks to you for listening. Follow me on Twitter at Seth Dunlap. You can follow us on Twitter at WWLAMFM. Great show tonight. Remember, get it on the podcast. If you miss any part of the show, WWL.com, on-demand section, radio.com app, and Apple Podcasts. I'm Seth Dunlap, handing it off to Beyond Reality Radio. And as always, here's our moment of zen, my conversation with the guy who went behind enemy lines at Falcons camp. He was at Tulane's practice yesterday. The Saints practice at Tulane. It's the big potato. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.